0: If you have your Bibles, God's Word, please grab them. Open them to 2 Peter chapter 3 with me. If you don't have a Bible, the words will be projected on the screen. Church, this morning we are concluding eight months that we have spent as a church family in the letters of 1 and 2 Peter. And Peter has been really good for our souls. Peter's given us a lot of hope in Christ, and Peter has called us to live fully and boldly for Christ. And I believe that all of that is going to continue through these concluding verses. And so let's begin by reading 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 14 to 18. This is the very words of God. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, the end days... Be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Amen. May God bless the preaching of his word this morning. Parents love to see their children grow, don't they? Whether it's right after the baby is born and they take that baby and they lay them on that that blanket with all the different month numbers on it and they take a picture each month and show how the baby is growing. Or whether it's when they begin to stand and they start measuring their height in the door frame. Or, or maybe it's celebrating their first word or their first step. And then, and then the milestones can change from there, right? First it's entering kindergarten, then it's graduating middle school, then high school, then college, and beyond. Last week I got to baptize my own daughter. That was an amazing experience. Any any loving parent wants the very best for their children, and inherent to that is wanting them to grow throughout all of life. All of these moments of growth matter. But why? Well, why do parents care about growth so much? Well, one reason is because we love our children and we want the very best for them, but another reason is because our own lives are tied up in our children's lives, aren't they? For better or for worse, as parents, we feel like our children's successes are our successes and our children's failures are our failures. I mean, we made them, right? And so when they succeed, we succeed. Even in adoption, when that child becomes a part of your family, they become a part of who you are. And when they prosper, it's a reflection of your care. We love to see our children grow because when they grow, it's an affirmation of our care, and our guidance. And friends, the same is true of how our God relates to us. He loves to see us grow because when we grow, we reflect his power and his work in our lives. Listen, when Christians of all ages, may, maybe you're just a kid here this morning. Maybe you're eight, nine, 10 years old. Maybe you're in high school. Maybe you're in college. Maybe you're already into your career. Maybe you're a, a young family or a middle-aged family. Maybe you are a seasoned saint in the church. When men and women of all ages within the church grow in godliness and grow in holiness, God celebrates. It makes him happy because it is for our good, and because it is a demonstration of his grace being at work in our lives. Our growth as Christians magnifies the work that Jesus has done in this world, and it invites others to come in and to experience that powerful work in their lives as well. Folks, here's our main idea this morning. Christian growth brings God great glory and brings us great peace. Christian growth brings God great glory and brings us great peace. Friend, I wonder if you are tired in your Christian walk this morning. I wonder if you feel like giving up in all of life. I wonder if you feel like giving up on your marriage or on your parenting. I wonder if you feel like giving up on the church. I wonder if you feel like giving up on purity and self-control. Are you, are you tired of trying to be godly in a world and in a culture that constantly celebrates all that is ungodly? If you are discouraged... About your lack of growth in your Christian life. Listen, Peter wants to encourage you this morning. He wants to strengthen you this morning. And he has five incredibly encouraging truths about our growth in godliness. Here they are number one, growth is clearly possible. Number two, growth is a patient process. Number three, growth requires your weakness. Number four, growth protects and gives peace. And number five, growth is all from God, and it is all for God. Those are our five encouraging points from this passage, looking at each individual verse. Let's begin with the first point. Number one, growth is possible. It's possible. Peter says in verse 14, therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent To be found by him, Jesus, without spot or without blemish and at peace. So the charge in this verse to be diligent, that speaks of of work, that speaks of effort on our part. And then the charge in verse 18 to, to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ, these two charges in this text are really where we see the focus of this text as being about Christian growth and Christian maturity in life. Peter is concluding his letter with this charge, and it's appropriate that he does, because this is how he started his letter. If you remember, up in chapter 1, Peter charged us to make every effort to grow in our Christian lives. He says in chapter 1, verse 8, that all of these different kinds of, and types of godliness and, and godly characteristics should be growing, they should be increasing in our lives, The letter of 2 Peter really has been about the call to live obedient lives before God until the day when King Jesus comes back to reward us for our faithfulness and take us home to heaven. 2 Peter is a gritty letter. It, It is a rallying call from the Apostle Peter to work hard towards godliness and purity in our lives. But listen, if we're not careful, we are going to end this letter discouraged rather than encouraged, and that's not what Peter wants. Why might we be discouraged? Well, because of what Peter says in verse 14. It's a little daunting, isn't it? He says, be diligent to be found by him without spot and without blemish. That's a pretty high standard. Anybody have a spotless record from this past week or this past month? no, nobody can say that they have. And when we see that call, we can grow discouraged that the fight is not even worth fighting because we are so far from what Peter says here. But friends, listen, there is hope for us in this verse. There's hope for us here. But if you are a seasoned Christian here this morning, the hope might not be exactly where you think that it is. See, So many of us as Christians, when we hear this call to be spotless and without blemish, we want to run quickly to the fact that Christ has made us righteous through the gospel. He has. We want to run to the fact that because of his grace, we are clothed in his spotless robes of righteousness, and that's gloriously true. That's the only way that God can call us the beloved in this passage. If he did not make us clean, we would never be spoken of as the beloved in God's word. That's true, but that's not the focus of this verse, and that's not where the hope is for us this morning. The focus of this verse, it's actually on us, on us being diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish. It's on us. Church, Peter is really charging us to greater obedience and holiness, and we cannot just run quickly to the imputed righteousness of Christ and say, well, well praise God, I'm already righteous in Him. There's my hope, and I can be at, at peace. No, that would be to miss the entire point of Second Peter. There is hope for us here Because Peter is not just saying that we are accepted through the righteousness of Christ. Church, there's hope for us here because Peter is not just saying that by faith we are accepted and so all is well. That's true, gloriously true. In fact, this verse is tied up to verse 13, which is all about heaven. Peter says that we are waiting for that day. And guess what, church? Church. The end of the story is already written, and you and I know what it is. Christ wins, and we win with him. Amen. That's all very, very true. But the focus of this verse is on us. We are to present ourselves to him as without spot or blemish. And so here is the encouraging thing about this. All of 2 Peter is a thesis for how it is possible to grow in godliness. Listen, Peter would not have written this letter if real life change was not possible in your life and in your world today. He would not have said that you can and should make every effort towards godliness if all of that effort was for nothing and if you were just sentenced to condemnation and to live a defeated and miserable life. No! No! Christian, you can grow. You can change by God's grace. You can be happier tomorrow than you are today. You cannot get so angry. You can stop indulging in food so much. You can stop looking at pornography. You can stop taking drugs. You can stop being a self-righteous Pharisee who thinks they have it all together. You can stop telling white lies. You can stop not caring about your bad language. And it's not even just the things we stop doing, it's even more so about all that we can start doing in Christ. Christian, you can have a really fruitful devotional life in God's Word. You can. You can have an intimate prayer life with the Lord. You can become a neighbor who, who invites their neighbor to church rather than just thinking about it for another year. Teenagers here, if you're a Christian, you can love and honor your parents and not hate and dishonor them like so many others do. We can do these things. It's possible because God's word says that it's possible. And church, just, just think with me for a moment about the testimony of Scripture and the, and the power, the transforming power of God's grace in the lives of real people. Think about the people in, in the New Testament. Think about the Apostle Paul. When, when Paul first met Jesus, he was in the middle of persecuting the church. He was literally killing people. But when he met Christ and was forgiven from his sins, he didn't just say, well, now I have the imputed righteousness of Christ. I'm holy. Let me just go on killing people. No, he stopped killing people. That was good. Think about Zacchaeus, the tax collector. He did not just thank God that he had met with Jesus and been forgiven by his sin, but then go on stealing from people. No, he actually stopped stealing and he actually became an incredibly gracious and generous man. Think about the prostitute who was forgiven by Jesus of her many, many sexual sins. She didn't just say, well, well, now I'm spotless in God's sight because of the, the imputed righteousness of Christ and then go and sleep with a few more men. No, she went and she sinned no more in those ways. This is the pattern of Scripture, the pattern of God's transforming grace and Redeemer Fellowship. This is the pattern of God's grace in your life as well. Listen, if you are a guest here this morning, maybe you are watching online, we are grateful that you are with us. You need to know that this room and this church is filled with forgiven and transformed sinners. In this room, there are former adulterers and sex addicts. There are people who had eating disorders. There are former alcoholics There were broken marriages that have been made whole. There are criminal records. There are former Pharisees who thought they had it all together. There are former thieves. There are former rebellious teenagers and everything else in between. But God has made us righteous through the gospel and God is actually transforming us by the power of his grace. He has changed us and he is changing us. Growth is clearly possible. Now that does not mean That perfection is possible. As good as Peter's words sound here, without spot or blemish, Peter's not calling us to sinless perfection within the church. It's a process. And that brings us to our second point. Point number two, growth is a patient process. Verse 15, he says, And count the patience of our Lord as salvation. The patience of our Lord. In the broader context of 2 Peter, this this patience of the Lord is primarily in reference to God's patience as he grants more time before his second coming for those who are not Christians in order for them to repent and to be saved. If you're not a Christian here this morning, King Jesus is waiting for you to repent and to be saved. But in the context of this immediate verse, this patience of the Lord also speaks of his patience towards us as Christians within the church as we grow. So God's patience is an opportunity for the godless to repent and to be saved, and it's an opportunity for Christians to grow in the grace of God. And church, that's really, really good news, isn't it? Because guess what? Christian growth, Christian maturity is a patient process. It takes time. When when we became a Christian, we were immediately clothed in the righteousness of Christ. God immediately viewed us as forgiven and clean from our sins. That's the power of the gospel. That's grace. And what that is called, smarter people than me, call uh, call that definitive sanctification. It's definitive. It happens once and for all. God's work through Christ, we are saved. We are made his own. It's not our work but we do not immediately become the person in real life that Christ calls us to be in this world that is a patient process that happens over time, and this is called progressive sanctification. Definitive sanctification is the moment when we are saved and we are brought into the family of God, all of Christ, but progressive sanctification is the process of actually changing in our lives, becoming more like Jesus, becoming more godly in real life, and that is the work of Christ and us together. We sink our work together, and this takes a lifetime. But here's the good news. God created and God designed that process. And so, friend, he's not annoyed, but with you when it takes time. Church, did you know that you serve a patient God? He's patient with you. In Exodus chapter 34, when when God passes before Moses and, and describes who he is, a few of the words, a few of the precious words that he uses to describe himself are these, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And then that description of God is used over and over throughout the Old Testament. He is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. That's who your God is this morning. He's patient. He is slow, not quick, to anger. And he is very faithful to walk beside you. He's not eagerly or easily triggered particularly with those who have been saved by His grace. No, He walks patiently with those who are hurting and with those who are growing. You know, I think we tend to to think of God differently. I think we tend to think of God as the angry parent or as the, the angry boss who hates it when we mess up again. We think of God looking at us and grimacing and just just wanting us to, to get our acts together already, pull it together, but that's not who our God is. He is patient, he is forbearing, he is slow to anger. He loves to walk patiently with his weak people. He loves to prove his character of patience and faithfulness over a long period of time to those who are weak and broken. Christian growth is a long process, and that's okay because our God is a patient God. Church, I really believe that the Holy Spirit wants to encourage some of you here today who are discouraged by your current pace of growth. You're still struggling with that sin. You're still falling. You're still making those mistakes. I believe that there are some here who who were hoping to be farther along in their Christian walk than they are right now. And I believe the Spirit wants to strengthen and encourage you by reminding you that the process itself, even when it takes a long time, is designed by God and is pleasing to him. He is not looking for perfection But your diligent pursuit is what pleases him and brings him glory. And even your mistakes, even your big mistakes, are an opportunity for him to demonstrate his patience towards you. And that is a very good thing. Be encouraged. Be encouraged that growth is a patient process. And be encouraged that your weakness, your frailty, is part of the process. And that brings us to our third point, point number three, growth requires your weakness. Now, this is a bit of an inferred point from the text, but I think it still is significant and, and super encouraging for us. Look at verse 16. I love, I love this verse. It's a very human verse from the apostle Peter. At the end of verse 15, Peter says that the apostle Paul agrees with what Peter has been saying and what he's been teaching. And then he says in verse 16, there are some things in them, in in Paul's writing, that are hard to understand. So here's what's going on here. The Apostle Paul, as you know, in other letters, New Testament letters, has written extensively about the gospel and the freeness of God's grace and how the gospel is not a matter of our own work. It's not a matter of what we do. It's a matter of God's free grace, But there were apparently false teachers that Peter is now addressing who were using and distorting the Apostle Paul's words to support their claim that godliness and holiness was not a big deal, not important. So they were basically saying, well, Paul the Apostle says it's not a matter of work, but a matter of God's grace, and so we really shouldn't care about how we live. But that's a distortion of Paul's teaching. And because these false teachers were distorting Paul's words to their own advantage, Peter takes the brief opportunity to, to reference Paul as a support to his argument and not a support to the false teachers. That's basically what's, what's going on here. And actually, a very brief side note, but it's helpful to note, this is one of the, the primary places in the New Testament where we see the writing of the apostles as valued, as equal to the Old Testament Scriptures. So did you notice that Peter says that the false teachers are distorting Paul's teaching as they do the other scriptures. So Peter equates Paul's writing to the Old Testament scriptures. So it's a it's a claim for the divine authority of the New Testament documents. Church Many people in our day would claim that the the Bibles we hold in our hands were formulated by, by, by the church in around 200 or 300 A.D. It's not true. These things were seen as authoritative as God breathed very, very early on, and we see that in Peter's comment here. So that's a little bit of what's going on in this verse, but here's what I love about this verse so much. The apostle Peter who has crazy amounts of authority and and leadership gifting, he willingly admits here that he has a hard time understanding parts of Scripture. I can relate to him. He's a simple guy. I'm a simple guy. I wonder if you can relate to him as well. He says, Paul, he's a a little bit hard to understand. Paul was very scholarly. I can't tell you how many times my brain has said, yeah, I don't understand what is being said there. Folks, it's an acknowledgement of weakness. Peter was limited, and we are limited. We we don't have everything perfectly figured out as Christians today, but that's okay because the call to grow in the grace and knowledge of God is inherently a statement about our need to grow. We haven't arrived yet, but that's okay. We're not yet perfect, but that's okay, particularly in regards to understanding the Scriptures. Friend, you do not need to be a scholar in order to dive into this book and to benefit from it. And you should not wait till you have everything perfectly figured out in it to commit your life to it. Christian, be okay with weakness. Be okay with not having all of the answers. Cling to what you know and what has been revealed to you and seek to faithfully grow as God is leading you to grow. Growth requires our weakness, and that's, that's okay. Okay. In things like studying God's Word and in all of life. It's an opportunity for God's grace to strengthen us and to lead us. That brings us to point number four. Growth protects and gives peace. It protects and gives peace. We see in verse 17, Peter says... You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What we see here is that Christian growth protects us from error and it gives peace and assurance to our salvation. Growth in godliness, growth in holiness gives stability to our profession of faith. Now listen, your growth in godliness does not establish your faith. That's the work of Christ and only Christ. But your growth in godliness stabilizes your faith. When we grow... We stabilize our faith in the work that he has done because we see it being worked out in our lives and and we, in a sense, are, are proving to ourselves, oh, God's grace truly is at work in me. Look at how I'm changing. Look at how I'm growing. Church, when you obey God's word in a way that you never could apart from God's grace, you remind yourself that you are saved and it stabilizes you to keep moving in your Christian walk. If you ignore the warnings of Scripture, if you listen to false teachers, if you don't pursue godly growth, you are contradicting what God's grace is supposed to do in your life, and you begin to lose your stability. If you, if you ignore the warnings of Scripture, and if you refuse to grow in His grace, then you call into question whether you are truly saved by His grace or not. And that's a big deal. God wants us to have confident assurance about our salvation in his son Christ. He wants you this morning to be joyfully confident about who you are in the gospel. Gospel assurance is a really good, really beautiful thing. But listen, in my my 15 years of pastoral ministry, I I have found that the people who lack gospel assurance most are those who are pursuing godly growth the least. Those who lack gospel assurance most are those who are pursuing godly growth the least. See, a lot of people think that a mature understanding of grace leads to a whole lot of liberty in the Christian life, an ability to really live a lot like the world while still claiming to be a Christian. A lot of Christians today think that they can claim to be saved by God's grace and then use that grace to live however they want to live, and they don't really appear any different than the world around them. But I have found that these are the Christians who lack gospel joy and gospel assurance most because they're not confident about who they are in Christ. They try to act as if they're confident. I'm standing on grace, but there's this constant question in their minds, am I truly saved? Why? Why? because they lack the stabilizing power of a godly life. It is not Christian maturity. It is not a mature understanding of God's grace to not care about godly obedience and growth. No, those who are mature in his grace are those who celebrate grace best and rejoice in it most loudly as they heed the many warnings of Scripture and seek to follow him. Experienced and mature Christians don't, lower their guard, the more mature they become. No, the more experienced Christians become more on guard because they know how easily they can be deceived. And so this is the fourth incredibly encouraging thing about Christian growth. Growth protects us. It hedges us in. It protects us because it keeps us dependent on God's grace. It not only protects us, it also gives us peace because when we see growth in our lives, we realize that God is truly at work within us and that we are on the right path. Church, I love how much Peter desires peace for us in his letter. He started up in chapter 1 verse 2 by praying that peace would be multiplied in and through us. He ends now in verse 14 by saying that we should be diligent to be at peace. You might not think that that would be one of the main goals in a letter that is all about Christian growth and obedience. You wouldn't think that because talking about Christian growth and obedience can steal people's peace. It can unsettle them rather than give them peace. But that's not how it's supposed to be as we press into the grace of God, as we seek to to live for him, we will see fruit grow in our lives and that fruit will be a beautiful demonstration of all that God has done and is doing in our lives and it will give great peace and great joy to our souls and to our church family. That brings us to number five. Growth is all from God and all for God. Parents love to see their children grow, right? They love it, and and most parents will do anything within their power to help their kids to grow as much as possible. If they can create a home culture that has acceptance and and gentle direction and and patience and love, they will do whatever they can to, to help their kids to prosper, if they can give them resources, if they can position them in life to succeed, no matter the cost, most parents will do whatever they can. And friends, the same is true of God towards us. Peter says in verse 18, read it with me, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and to the day of eternity, amen. Our growth is possible Because the seeds of our faith have been planted by God in the soil of His grace and there is no better soil to help us to grow than God's grace. This is why Peter tells us to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Church, when we know all that God has done for us, when we remember that He has saved us from our sins, even when we were His enemies, when we remember that He sent His only beloved Son to die in our place, to give us life, to bring us out of the domain of darkness into the kingdom of His beloved Son, when we know that we have been made new creatures in Christ, then we realize. Realize how secure a foundation we are working to grow upon. That is why we never move beyond the gospel of grace. Progressive sanctification is so important. Let us remember that we are to grow in godliness. We are to progress in this Christian life. But every day we must remember, we must celebrate definitive sanctification. That it's his work ultimately and not our own. That God has saved us from our many sins and that we are new creatures in him. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Church, not even your own sin, not even your repeated sin, not even your besetting sin that has plagued you since childhood. Not even your grossest sin that has been committed, not even the sin you committed last night, because he has given himself to us. Like a loving parent, he has, through Christ, given us everything that we need for life in Godliness. He has held nothing back. It's all ours in Christ, and we are eternally secure in him. And when we realize that, church, the growth that happens happens, It's going to happen, and it's going to be different growth. It's not going to be heavy growth. It's not going to be toil. It's not going to be legalism. It's not going to be church moralism. No, it's going to be transformation more and more into the image of Christ because it's his grace at work within us. Church, may we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And when we do, May he receive all of the glory, both today and for all eternity, because of how it is his great work within us and not our own, for his glory alone. Let's pray.